You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, UFC fans, two of the sport's most respected fighters step back in the octagon this weekend to compete for the welterweight title. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. Great to be with you again this week, and actually it really is, because uh, here in Newfoundland, I'm going stir-crazy. Uh, I went from being extremely busy to, I guess I'm still busy, but in front of a computer. Like most of the rest of the people in the world that are listening to this podcast, um, and what I'm talking about is COVID. Uh, ever heard of it? Uh, anyway, here in Newfoundland, we've been pretty sheltered from COVID. So we've been living a fairly, fairly normal life. Okay. Um, we had a few cases here and there, and there were mostly workers that were working away, whether it be Alberta, Texas, whatever. I, I don't know the ins and outs of every case. I know a lot came from Alberta, not to knock Alberta. It was just we have a lot of people that are working out there, right? It's a very um, symbiotic, is that how you say that? Relationship Newfoundland and Alberta have. A lot of people don't realize that outside of our lovely provinces. But yeah, I mean, a lot of my buddies, I mean, I, I mean a lot, like a quarter of the people I know that I hang out with work in Alberta. They go out there and they're, you know, they love it. They're treated well. Some end up, you know, a lot of my buddies, hello, Sean Fagan. Um, hello, Bradley Sturge. Hello, Johnny Da. You know, they all go out and stay. Uh, just to name a few. I mean, there's so many. And anyway, so, you know, we had the odd case. Someone would go out and, you know, you kind of knew they had it coming back. But they isolated. It was taken care of. And, and, you know, they were mature about it for the most part. We didn't really have any clusters. We had one last April or May. It was in a funeral home. And, um, you know, we, 
what better a place for COVID to, if you're COVID, you like funeral homes. Um, and it broke out, but everybody, you know, I got to be honest, give everybody here a pat on the back. People here really worked hard and, and at nipping it in the bud. And we did, you know, we stayed in for at the, at the beginning, like everybody else, but I think maybe in, in June, I know that the bars opened and at the beginning of June, we could go out and there were eventually like in the summer, we had a pedestrian walk that, you know, they shut all the, the, the or they shut Water Street down, downtown the main street. I think it must be one of the oldest, if not the oldest street in Canada. Um, uh, you know, it's street number one that in, in St. John's, the oldest city. It only makes sense. In any case, really, it's a really cool street. It looks European. If, you, if you've been to downtown St. John's, there's all kinds of parts of St. John's, especially Mount Pearl, that, you know, you can tell. If you look at Mount Pearl, it could be, love it, I love it, and they do a great job. Um, great community to grow up in. I chose to uh, raise Penny Lane here and Tyson. Uh, but if you look at it, you know, it just, you know, you can tell that it's came into existence in the last 60, 70 years. St. John's downtown, obviously being the oldest city, you know, there's real, it's Europe, European. You, if, if you were to just stand at one end and look, take a picture, you really would believe that you're in Europe for good reason, for good reason. We have, a, you know, most of our ancestors come from Scotland, England, or Ireland. That might change. Um, lots of different ethnicities and more than ever that I see around now, multicultural, which is great. You know, diversity is a good thing. Um, but anyway, you know, traditional Newfoundlanders have come from, those places I mentioned. So downtown, it's no surprise. It echoes, uh, you know, the the architecture and the art of uh, Ireland, England, Scotland type thing. Actually, all over Europe. I mean, parts of Austria look like St. John's. In any way, oh God, I miss traveling. I could just stop this now and watch a YouTube video on Austria, one of my favorite places I've ever been. Um, anyway, yeah, we had a breakout. I, I'm not quite sure what happened, but last week, you know, it was like three cases. All of a sudden, there was 10. So everybody started sitting around the radio, and then all of a sudden, it was 50 yesterday. And I assume, you know, they're making the announcement now, but it'll, it'll be lots. We were on lockdown. I was working at TJ's pub. Anybody follow me that follows me knows that. And again, we, you know, I had absolutely no worry. I was working in a bar. Now, did we take precautions? Of course, we had masks on. We had, uh, you know, half capacity, I think, which is 55, 60 people. I think at 65, we went with 55 or 60 just to make sure that we were on the low end of things. And downtown, we, we all worked together with all the bars, a little hiccupy at first in June, but uh, you know, the bars and the restaurants, people want to make a living half George street, the most famous street, you know, in Newfoundland. And some people would say in Canada, if, if you've been here and been to the George street festival, you know, a lot of places are closed. The, the Sundance dusk, uh, God, you know, the, the, the rock house has been open here and there, but you know, that's a rock. That's a concert venue. It's hard to do it amongst COVID, even though we didn't have much of it. Um, there's places that I won't mention them that I try to get to when I'm down working, like run over for a beer because they're hurting. And, uh, and again, this is just a microcosm of what's going on in the whole world. But, you know, we were down there. I, I had no fear of it there was, for most of 
since this happened, we've had none, zero. So, you know, in the back of my mind, of course, and, and it, everybody, you know, our summer, the Water Street, I digress so much. Yeah, it got shut down and we turned it into a pedestrian walk. We canceled events like the regatta, uh, the oldest sporting event in North America. Uh, but, you know, rowing race, but, you know, Water Street, to, to me, you know, if you're local, debate as you will, but to me, it was the regatta every day. People were down there, businesses were thriving, um, you know, all kinds of businesses, all kinds made a deck because now you, 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 you know, it was just a pedestrian walk. So more, more than not on water street, we had a deck. So it had this weird kind of unique feel. I'd never been walking around downtown like that. It had the feeling like if you were in Ottawa at the market, right? That sort of thing. Anybody from there, there's an area downtown Cleveland, a pedestrian walk there. This kind of reminds me of George street, to be honest. Um, you know, uh, Crescent street, Montreal picture that if you cut off the, the cars, Right. And then, you know, buskers and it was just a vibe. And not only that, we had unbelievable weather. It was the most anybody here in Newfoundland must have been blown away. I mean, every day we were going down and straight through. I mean, usually May and June are like, you know, those are fog. The icebergs are coming. You know, we're looking at our social media. Everywhere else is nice. And we're like the odd day. Like it's I'm not saying it doesn't get nice. If you see the sun in June, of course, it might go up to 18, 20, hopefully. But fog starts rolling in or the clouds it's just not warm enough yet the wind's coming the other way off the atlantic and in june well it snowed in june rare but it happens and you know it's often at night it's two degrees three degrees this year right from like april it was crazy may had days that were 25 june was pretty much sunny all the way through and then right till i'm talking november i'm talking november with February, we had the deck open at TJ's last week. Uh, it was 12 degrees. So we've had an insane run of good weather here in Newfoundland. Now, whether that's good or bad, that's another political issue. And do as you will with that. Chew it up and digest it. I'm not going to talk about it. But in any case. Um, yeah. So that's been the weather so you know we, we and we've gone through you know the, the christmas we did what everybody else did right there was could only be so many people in the mall there was no pictures with santa it was really crappy they had like a divider up i mean it would almost traumatize a kid so penny lane's 10 now but had she been five i wouldn't have taken her no um anyway but you know we didn't really feel threatened is my point i never did my mom is 69 years old happy birthday gail just turned it last week and you know appears healthy mom doesn't have any major problems but she smokes well she has diabetes um, but she's had that her whole life that i know of um she smokes like a tilt though and she's 69 so i you know i i know that She's compromised, but I didn't even ever think about that. You know, we were just living our lives and we were told to go in bubbles like, you know, eight months ago. We did. Point is, we took care of it. Now, oddly enough, as I speak to you, is our first day of pure lockdown um, since where everywhere else. I know you've probably been dealing with this, but we haven't. So much like the seasons that they come late here in Newfoundland, well, the major, this is our 
sweet spot of the bat. This is our meaty part of the bone when it comes to COVID. We're experiencing it as we speak. So anyway, that's where I'm at. Got some, uh, a lot of things to talk about, really. I mean, I wanted to talk about Tom Brady a bit. I mean, what is going on? Are we talking about the best athlete ever? Just best human. How about that? Let's just say. And I'm, again, I'm not a Tom Brady fan. But I went down, oh, God, we had hockey the other day before all this. When I say shut down now, we can't play hockey or anything anymore either, obviously. But a few days ago, we could. And, you know, I won't mention his name, but a buddy of mine in the room, and he really, really did, like, clinging to the fact that Brady got lucky and, you know, he joined a winner. And I'm like, at what point I get it here too. I mean, I didn't love the guy at first. I'm not a huge football fan, but I would pick diff. I never really sided on the point of new England. I, I would watch them. And as great Brady won, like, I mean, he went in the sixth round. If you watch, he won his third, fourth, fifth, and, and especially the last few years, like since 37, he's won two or three. And this year was just impressive. And in a, in a league with over 30 teams, I don't care what you say, man. It's, I just can't name me a better athlete ever. You, you could. The only one I can think of that dominated his sport the way he did is Wayne Gretzky. And he didn't win as many championships, but, you know, he won four, right? And so, I mean, it's nothing to slouch at. And his records were so, I mean, not ever having scored. If, if he never scored a goal, he would still be the all-time leading scorer. Meanwhile, he is the most ever. Um Gretzky, it said, they said Carmack David scored his, I forget, I forget what it was, maybe ninth game with four or five points or something like that. Gretzky has 79. It's just, his records are insane, but it's, it, with Brady, it's not like he's, football, I don't think it's like that every year, though. You know, Mahomes gets the, I'm assuming, the best personal statistics for a quarterback. I think Aaron Rodgers was the MVP. He went through both of them, and Drew Brees, one of the best ever. But um, I just, to win that many times, you're the quarterback. You know, I know his statistics personally weren't what they were Wayne Gretzky, but he had some years that he was the best in the league. Um, He's clearly the best leader. I just, seven. And at 43, there's 30 teams. He leaves the one he's on, which won only a couple of years ago. Right. And goes to Tampa Bay. Yeah, they were all right. They were pretty good, but they didn't do anything. I don't, I don't think they made the playoffs in outside of last year. Was it like 12 years? They weren't a fantastic team. They, they had all the parts this year, but it's still got to happen. So did the other teams. Tom Brady goes there. They win. I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't see a better to me, unless you hate the guy. I don't see a better athlete ever. He would have to be number one in my eyes. Let's say. Okay, you know, go back. I don't know, Babe, Babe Ruth. We, 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 Babe Ruth is probably still considered in a lot of people's eyes the best baseball player. I can't say it. I love Ruth. It's not his fault, but he didn't play against black players. I mean, I, I, I just <laughs> there you go. The, the Negro League was going on, and a lot of people say it was, you know, a great league. I got no reason to think not. I've read books on it. They they interlock or. A few times they played exhibition games. The Negro League did uh, really well. Am, am I? It was called the Negro League, so I don't think I'm making a faux pas by saying that word. Uh, Black American, I guess, but it was called the Negro League. Um, in any case, Babe Ruth didn't have to play against the best competition. He didn't even, you know, that, that we're just talking black players. 
you know, we're not even talking Dominican, um, you know, Japan, I can name all over the world. There's baseball players from all over the world, Canadian. Um, so, but anyway, point being, you can go right back then to see other sports and who people considered the greatest ever. Now I'm since 1900, just tell me someone who came along more dominant and not even more dominant, more dominant is the wrong word because yeah, he's dominant in a sense of winning. He, He's been in 10 Super Bowls. That is insane in itself. He's got more Super Bowls now. I think than any other team in the league. I can't anyway, it's close. That can't be right. Of course, if I wasn't lazy, I'd look it up. It's one of those things you guys can look up yourself. I I, I think it's close to that though. He's out there. The numbers are and I, well, I think he's been in 20% of Super Bowl. The, the numbers are insane. Okay, so for those reasons, not quite personal dominance, although his numbers are fantastic. Um, and we're not talking Gordy Howe and Maurice Richard. I love those guys, but we're not talking about a six-team league. We're talking about a 30-odd team league, and he just jumps around and keeps winning. Jesus Christ. The guys, I mean, got to be. I don't know Muhammad Ali, but even then, you know, it's a small sample size compared to 20 years of playing football and the Super Bowl and nothing from Ali or, or Gretzky or Jordan or nothing against any of them. What I'm seeing with my own eyes, and I think especially when people look back with an unbiased opinion and they, they just see stats, the only reason I could say you don't like him is you don't like his personality or, you know, you're, you're a fan of some other team and you're, you're, you're maybe your judgment is clouded a little bit but if you were to look back in the future and see this guy and what he did I, I don't know to me it's absolute it's the most amazing thing watching that Super Bowl that I remember watching in sports other than a one-off like when David Ayers went in for that or Leafs or God against the Leafs and, and those Zamboni goalie whatever they call them you know there are things like that my favorite story the autistic basketball player uh, look it up um, YouTube but there are stories and there are anecdotes and then there's Tom Brady. Anyway, stay tuned. My buddy coming right up. Great guest, former Hab, Brad Brown. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the program. This gentleman is a veteran of 330 NHL games with the Habs, Blackhawks, Rangers, Wild, and Sabres. He is a dazzling D-man, a ferocious first-rounder, a dynamite dad, a hell of a hockey player, an awesome Ontarian, a capable Canadian, a fantastic friend. We met in Quebec after he delivered a check. He could really fight but didn't need to every night. Lo and behold, he scored a couple NHL goals. Mean on the ice, but it usually stayed there. Off the ice, he was a big teddy bear. This fella was great as my Freddy roommate. He'd play hard, and we'd hit the town. Ladies and gents, it's my old pal, Bradley Lorne Brown. How are you doing, Brad? I'm doing great, man. That's awesome. That brings back uh, memories from Fredericton days. You on the bus. <laughs> before the game. I do that before the game. Do the hey, <laughs> hey, TR, can you write a poem for us? Just something funny? Like 10 minutes later, you have like a 17-page poem, each player. Like I'm like, this kid's pretty smart. <laughs> you, you know what? I can't believe you remember that. I I, I did that a few times on the bus and I, I got my notes. Yeah. I was always writing like you, you were around me. You were my roommate. I, yeah. I would often keep that secret, but it, it would flourish on the bus, especially with Michelle Tyrion. And we had 
you know, you, you don't have to get into that. I forgive the guy, but I did not get along with him, especially mm -hmm. the first year when you were there and things like that. I think, I think pissed him off a little bit. It was my, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I brought a lot of it on myself, but I wasn't the type to go, go fuck yourself. I mean, if I was real mad, but I would, I think, I would rent like he didn't didn't like me getting up and entertaining everybody and taking the attention kind of thing. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, exactly. I'm glad you remember, though. I remember those days fondly. How are you doing? We, we just today, Brownie, it just it took this long. We've been precautious till now, but we really didn't have much to worry about. We didn't have many cases. I saw it blew up in Ontario a couple of times, especially in Ottawa. Well, not especially, but it happened in Ottawa a few times here. Cluster broke out, got out of control like a few days ago. And now finally I sit, talk to you and we're on lockdown like everywhere else has been at the beginning. We were, but it was purely precautionary. We yeah. all did it. I'm proud of my Newfoundlanding friends that we, we stayed in and we, we, we got at being an Island advantage, right? We took mm -hmm. care of it until now. How have you been holding up? Well, you know what? As everyone like me here in Ontario, we're, we're getting sick of it. It's been so long now. We're trying to do our best to, you know, keep things safe for everyone, but I'm getting over it. I'm hoping in the next week or two, they uh, open up the city here and let uh, the rinks open and let people get back to work and get the economy going. But uh, I'm all for, you know, being safe and taking care of the old people. But at some point, you know, we can't do this forever. We, we got to open up and treat it like a really, really bad virus, bad flu, but take care of the old people. You know, like let the young kids get out there. And, you know, I think mental health is huge. They got mental health is huge. It's, it's, live. you know, Brownie, it's so like nobody, this is one of those things. There's no like right or wrong answer. I find because no, a lot of people are like way one way or way the other, but, and, and they want you to jump in on this. I'm like, Hey man, I, I just, you know, mental health is very important. And I, you, you can't lose sight of that. I think what people, you know, I get that. I also yeah. get being precaution. I mean, there's a happy medium. If we go out and respect each other, we should be able to. So hopefully, hopefully, Brown, I mean, we know we know that the vaccine is coming. It's coming yeah. soon. And I guess there's a light at the end of that tunnel. But yeah, man, like staying indoors on a normal circumstance for two days, I lose my mind. Let yeah. alone like I can't imagine. I don't want to laugh about it. But there are people out there like if I'm doing this and I have friends, a lot of friends I can talk to and bounce ideas off of. I'm inside and I'm actually busy because I can sell books online. I can do this. Yeah. What do you do, man, if you don't have that? What do you do? Brownie? A lot of people don't even have a computer. A lot of people don't aren't set up for this. Uh, easy enough, I guess, if, if you've got companionship. Some people don't even know that. I mean, or have that. I could beat it to death, but. It's unfortunate. Good luck to you and yours. How are your kids dealing with not knowing? I mean, how are the activities? Do you have them? No. Well, you know what? They're back to school now. Yeah. They're back to school, but they're home for a month, two months doing homeschooling. And thank God for my wife, because I, I would be useless as a teacher. You know, being teachers is a tough job. And I see what they do on class every day. I wouldn't have a clue how to keep these kids motivated, organized, and, you know, and, uh, some kids I see on our Zoom calls, some kids, their parents are working, they're online doing stuff and they can't help. You know, I'm so glad that my wife can help her kids out during the day and keep them up to date on what's going on. And, and so, you know, I, I watch a Zoom call and I see some kids in the Zoom call and they're by themselves in a room. They have no clue what's going on. The teacher's yeah. trying to help them out and they have no clue. They can't. The audio is not working. The video is not working. It's like, what a waste of time. So I'm glad they're back to school now where, where they belong. Hey, man, um, 
it's been tough on everybody. Yeah, it's really mm-hmm. been tough on everybody. And there's, I'm, I'm with you from the point, like I know myself, and I think I have a fairly strong mind when it comes to some things. Definitely have had mental health issues, anxiety, and and depression. More anxiety than anything. But if things are going bad, they tend to go real bad. I, how do you diagnose it? Remember, we used to have Wayne Hollywell. Like, I, I ended up talking to him for years. He was a decent guy to bounce ideas off of. Yeah, yeah. You know, he would. You know, I. He's a psychologist, psychiatrist, really sports psychologist. I think he was. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I've talked, and a lot of the time, you know, he would go remember him sitting me down he's like you know you're not unique like you're a first round pick of the canadians walking around montreal having not played much i can understand how mental health issues manifest themselves i'm like yeah you know it's not always this genetic thing that it's obvious yeah and, and these sorts of things anyway you battle through survival of the fittest i think when it when the uh push comes to shove when this is all over i think we'll all be stronger for it um uh, those of us that can hang in there. Now, without beating that to death, we've said it. I want to let everybody know that might be listening to this interview. Um, I've had Brad on my previous show, which was called Third Man In. And we went through Brad's career, and which a, a lot of them inter- intertwined with mine, of course. One of my good friends. Brad was in my first wedding party and uh, was my roommate on the road. And we've traveled all over the world together. But... Um, so if you want to listen to like a chronological story of his, an auto, a, a biography, if you will, listen to that episode. I'd like to just get into some other stuff, Brownie, and just have a chat. And of course, we're going to talk about hockey, but not necessarily, a, you know, your career in order as we would normally. Um, so first of all, first of all, do you have a personal motto? No, I don't. Never did. Should I? Should I? No, I was curious. I, I just thought of some questions I'd like to ask some guests. I said, you know, and I, I don't know, you seemed very motivated when we played together. I think all the attention nowadays from our era, it's all partying and, and fighting. Like people are, are, are astounded because people could do that stuff and it's kind of out. But I mean, we had lots of, um, we had lots of unique times, but you always seemed pretty driven. Uh, and I didn't know if there was a matter behind that. We'd go hard or go home or, you know, um, you know, leave it all out there. Or I didn't know. Or were you just going along, whatever comes, like I was, just tell me what to do. I'll try to do it. I've, I've, had, much, I've had much adversity to this point. Where's yeah. the weight room? You know, what do you want me to do? Was that, was that your yeah. approach too? Well, that's how it was. You know, and like in my style of play, when I got to the AHL my first year, like I realized like I wasn't going to be that skilled defenseman or, you know, the point guy that I was in junior. And I just tried to survive, you know, and then, and I was just naturally, like I never ever fought like off the ice or trained how to fight. I never really did that kind of stuff, but I was naturally, I was a pretty good fighter and I was, I was just tough, you know, you know, that Newfoundlander toughness in me, you know, totally. from my, you know, I, a big defenseman from Newfoundland. I had that in me. So when I was playing HL, you know, I was a, but I was a big, yeah, I was a big, well, yeah, I'm, I'm like a wannabe new feel. Like I was, I was born there, but I left when I was four years old, but I always went back every summer until I was 16. You know, I, I have a lot of ties there. I love Newfoundland, but I don't know, like when I played in pro, I wasn't working on my, when I got to the pro and I was playing and I had to fight like three games and three nights on the road, I wasn't focused on the things that I should have been focused on in practice. Like me and you, when, yeah. when we had days off working on our skating, working on our, our, our quick feet, our shot. 
I was like trying to get stronger and working on, you know, at that point, like I know I man. fighting and cause I was afraid I, cause I'm, I'm like, shit, I put myself in this position. Now I'm going to have to fight now for the rest of my life. So I focused on fighting and being an animal, like a nice guy but, off the ice, but, but you underrate down, yourself and you always have, you, you wouldn't be able to play a regular shift in the NHL. You're so a what I'm, what I'm just saying when I did though, like my focus, like you're saying, what was my motto in the AHL? It was like surviving, like <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, okay. going into St. John's and St. Like back then, the East oh, Coast, like oh. that division was like barbaric. It was like every guy had a le legit five tough guys, and yeah. you know, and if and if I didn't play tough, like say it's for me, it pissed me off. I take one night off where I don't fight. And I'm, I could have a coach saying, oh, Brownie, uh, while you're here, you're here to fight. You're, you're here to play tough. <laughs> it was so, crazy that they would say that, but they really would. And you're a first-round pick. Know. Ladies and gents, yeah. I'm speaking to a first-round pick. The year before me, he was 94, I was 95. But that's just the way it was. It's different. It's different times. Different times. So, so yeah, that, like just trying to survive now, back then. Speaking of that, and I don't want to beat this interview to death with that because, you know, like, Brownie, I, I go with the flow, too. You and I... I mean, I don't know. I was mad maybe like 20% of my fights, really. A lot of times it was a calculated decision. It's the end of the game. Give me some penalty minutes. There's scouts there. Or if a message needed to be sent, I didn't really mind doing it for the boys because I didn't mind fighting. Some people did. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so, like, no, nothing against some of my best friends like Matt Higgins, but probably better for me to get in a fight at the end of the game than Matt uh, for, for the team, for his face, for every, all of the above. <laughs> um, you got a pretty face, too, so you don't, you don't want to hurt Matt's yeah, face. And I, yeah, you just, you know, and like, you know, there was definitely a level of anxiety before the game, but I look back and, you know, I did it. I constantly did it. It was something in my DNA. Do you yeah. see any other what, – what do you think are the other big changes? To me, that's obvious. Now, I'm still playing senior, if you can believe it. Now, it might all end after this, but I did a year ago. You know, sticks, for example. Like, for me, the, the, the fighting is one thing, right, if it gets all the attention, but – these moves, and I play senior, and I've kind of evolved with, you know, which means I'm, I'm senior here is pretty good, as you know. We got in the Allen Cup final twice in my career. Um, mm -hmm. We got imports. We got point being, players in our league have just come back from pro or CIS or NCAA, whatever, right? So I got my finger on the pulse when it comes to the, the, the changes of the game. I'm still playing it, but the sticks are so light. I, and, in many ways, I've become a better player. I mean, think about it. I went first round in the 90s since because all these new adaptations, like I wish we had shot blockers on our feet. I would have been a much better penalty killer. I tell you that um, yeah. with this with the sticks like now, if I'm making a move on a guy, it's just in my brain that I can toe drag. And it's 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 something that's in my toolbox. I'm not saying you didn't I'm have that last time, right? You didn't have I that didn't last even time come around. into the mind like <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it, yeah, it wasn't even part of the repertoire. I, I wouldn't even have known. I guess it was a word, right? Were yeah. these people picking the puck up on their sticks? Like I can do that. I learned to do that. Darren Colburn's kid taught me about 10 years ago. I learned in my thirties, like yeah. no one, it wasn't even a thing, right? Like yeah. the, the Michigan got put for those that know the move got pulled off in 2000, I think, or 2001 by Mike Legg, who ended up playing with in Boise or against yeah. and it really even still wasn't a thing to me. That's a huge change um, yeah. along with boozing and like, for good reason. But like in junior, it was a rite of passage, you know, the bus would stop. And if we had time, we'd, 
didn't go to the bars much or anything. And we were known as a non-party team, the Tri-City Americans. We were in the States. You had to be 21 to get in. So A, people had to have a house party. And we weren't boozers like or dopers. We weren't that. We were pretty focused. But, but... (laughs) A bunch of times during the year, we got together, right? We shotgun beers with the high school parties. You know, I just did what the high schoolers were doing. Now, I don't think that's quite as much a part of it. Um, do you see any other huge changes? You know what? Like having a having a nine year old son. You know what's changed for these kids is YouTube, because my yeah. kid Sawyer goes on YouTube and watches every goal every night of all the skilled guys, and he he sees it and he tries it out on the pond or out yard. So like growing up, we didn't have YouTube and watching every goal every night of every player. But now like these 10 year old kids can do the Michigan, they can do the toe drags, do the dad suit, do the amazing, the Kucherov, the Kucherov goal. Yeah. It's amazing, it all, it, so the skill level is like unbelievable. Even those, unbelievable. even the goals that and a lot of people, uh, I don't know, uh, honestly, at this point, a few years ago, I know people were talking about like making the net bigger and we need more goals. Like, at this point, I say to people, I'm like, what in the hell do you want? Like, we're, we're looking at this, like, I would see Mario Lemieux, Pavel Bure, even Gretzky didn't have these moves every night. Like, he, he was unbelievable to watch. He was my favorite. I'm just saying there wasn't all these, like, dipsy doodle moves. Now we're watching, like, almost on a nightly basis. Things are happening that never happened before. Just so much creativity. The, the game has opened up. I mean, there were Europeans when we played, but now there's way more, way more, which is great. Um, there's players from japan you know there's it's just more diverse i find skill is a it's 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 more practice but like you said it's easier to emulate i used to wait for rock'em sock'em and hopefully on that video at the top goals i mean you like the fights and stuff but you know i same thing i never watched it for that i watched it for the goals and because we didn't have youtube so I remember Marilyn Lemieux at the All-Star game went like back door and dad recorded that. And I was lucky enough to have it on tape and I would come down and try it until I learned it. Now you have YouTube for each and every move of each and every player in the NHL. If you're a regular, you have a highlight video. Right? So I can literally do exactly if I loved Cam Neely. I loved Steve Eisenman. I could just watch those guys exactly what they do and do it. And I find that what an advantage. Uh when I say advantage, I mean more era to era because everybody can do it now if they want. No one has more of an advantage than next, unless, like you said, some people don't have the internet. Um, your Newfoundland roots, tell us about them. I don't think we really got into that before, and it's been a year and a half anyway, but, you know, where are you from? What is your father and mother? How did they meet? And how did you make your way to Ontario? Well, I was born in Bayvert, Newfoundland. But uh, where my mother was from, my dad's from Nova Scotia. My dad met my mother somewhere in the East Coast, somewhere. But my mother's from Ming's Bite. It's about a half hour from Bayvert. And that's where I grew up till I was four or five years old, where my mother grew up. So uh, so it's a small town. All my uncles were out, like they're fishermen. Like yeah. you're fishing or you're in the mines, pretty much in that town. And there's no, no gas station. You have to go to Bayvert for food. But I went back every summer and I loved it. Just loved it. Like, love the ocean. Love going there. My best memories of growing up on vacation is driving. Like, we always drove there from Toronto. So we, so we took the boat at uh, Port of Bass, Port of, yeah. or, or North Sydney, Nova Scotia to Port of Bass, Newfoundland. That, that, that straight. And 
just loved it. And I love all the people there. And I haven't been back in a long time. And I really wanted to get back there and take my kids there. And especially me, I grew up and just, just go back to the old ponds and see the old, everyone's gone now. It's, it's, it's dying. It's a, it's a dying community there. It's, it's, it's getting smaller and smaller I by a decade, but I'd love to go back one day. Well, it's part of your heritage. And you know, when people, I, I think Brownie, that is, there's a direct correlation with that, kind of family and the player that you were and i want to point out a lot of people listen to this they're like when i have guys on there's some people i played with i i won't mention but i think they were like tough and they had this they could play hockey but they had this animalistic like it was almost like a good outlet because they could do it legally on the ice and get that frustration out that that was never the thing with you or i but we we weren't scared, and I, I fully believe that. Just think about the ancestors we have. Let's just, let's just think about Newfoundland, because I come from the same sort of family, um, both sides. If, if you go back just one generation, it's all fishermen, laborers. Um, they, Ming's Bite, they decide to live in that environment, what you said, and that's it, not necessarily a bad thing. It makes you tough, but you've, your sense of, of home and your sense of community is real, real tight, which makes you a good teammate, right, if, if you carry those traits. Um, these people live on the edges of eclipse. They're wearing to they're willing to to bear the, the the worst kind of winter in North America. You're right. You're in Newfoundland where the, the climate's harsh and you're and it's windy and you're right literally on the ocean bearing it. And to do that as a community and to, there's a sense of togetherness and a sense of no fear that must come with that. And I think putting us that's a, another parallel thing that we have trait putting us in that situation, you know, in a tough league, because playing hockey at the time was a lot about being a bit of a soldier in the sense of, you know, there was like, you know, you're going out there, Brownie. We, I don't want to put it like we could have died. I don't want to totally uh, underestimate and, and downplay what soldiers actually do. But there was a level of that. Unlike if you played any other sport or right now, think of anything I can look at my friends and say, I was in a position looking at the other bench, knowing that Frank Bialois, Ty Domi, Steve McLaren, whoever it might be, wanted to hurt me. And it was their job. And it's as close to battle as I can think. And we were good soldiers. Now, wouldn't do you agree or not? But I, I think it has something to do with the families that we came from. I think so. I, I definitely, I 100% believe that. It's how, it's how we were raised, you know, uh, we weren't, you know, fed with a silver spoon. You know, if you want something, go get it. And that's how we were raised. <laughs> and not only that, North Bay. You went to Mississauga, but you played junior in North Bay, which is, yeah. you know, the same sort of people, right? You live north. You're willing to do that. You, I always find those places have a real sense of community, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, kids, uh, how many kids you got, and what are they up to now? Well, I have a 17 year old. Uh, he's playing junior A hockey now in, in Ottawa for the Smith Falls Bears. Wow. This year. Supposed to be his first year this year to play junior A. I've Got seen in. some games there actually over the years. Oh yeah. So he's yeah. playing there and uh um you know his goal in life is we'll see if it happens, is get a scholarship. That's what he wants to do. You know nice. his dream, but we'll see it's a lot of work left. It's tough to get scholarships now. And I have a fifteen year old daughter who dances all the time, and then I have a nine year old son who's minor Adam again. So I have a whole nother cycle. Of, yeah. of hockey from minor Adam up to midget, right? Or to junior A. So, Do you absolutely love the game? Uh, is there anything that's taxing on you? No, I, you know what? I love, uh, 
I love watching the game. Like people don't know me. Like when I watch the game, I, I love having a coffee in the stands and just, just have fun. You know, like I'll chirp the parents. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not there to get too serious and I always keep things light. So I enjoy it. Like I, you're I, not, enjoy, you're not, not there that, to be, to be the big pin that came in that played in the NHL telling all oh, the kids what to do. Never. <laughs> I, know, I, I let the coach coach like, yeah. There's nothing I can say to my kid that's going to make him the NHL or make him the best player. Like it's not me, right? It's it's in the my my thought. It's in the kid. I love, kid, yeah, I love that you say that. He'll get there. It's nothing I say that to my kid in the car on the way home after after a five nothing loss is going to change his life in any direction or any way. That's that's <laughs> true but enough. I want, I want to talk to you about this. Talking about all this, like me being tough and everything, all this shit, and like I mentioned it before briefly about like. I look now at hockey the way it's going. Tell me if you agree with me there, but I I I I, I would ban fighting in a heartbeat. I don't like know. If I ban it. Yeah, I I don't there. Listen, happened, but listen, if you fight, you get a three game suspension without pay. There you go. So I mean, we're not going to. Here's where I lay on it. I I get. I think that I think that we played in the most barbaric time. Now people look at the '70s, and I know there was line brawls and everything, and and, and bench brawls and. That may be, but actually that might have a one-up, but, but people weren't like employed just to fight. Like there was Dave Schultz, people forget, had like 20 or 30 goals. Bob Probert was a 30 goal scorer. Yeah, Chris Nyland had 20. People yeah. were in there. When our era, there started to be hired guns that would get one shift to break your orbital bone. And we navigated through that. Now, mm. the only reason I'd say I, slightly disagree with you so i don't think that i uh, know i don't think that people should be out there especially you got a 17 year old i wouldn't want to see him have to be scared of getting his head knocked in by brant myers or somebody else that would have been totally normal that that happened back then and it didn't matter you're a hockey player so i get it but i find and this is after like still playing now maybe it'll go the other way if there's no need to brownie for sure and i think we're almost there when a few years ago, when they they took fighting out of senior hockey and they made it a suspension to some degree, they would, if you got in three for the year, you started to be suspended. Three was a two game suspension, still yeah. like that. Four, I think, is a four game suspension. Five, you're out for the year. Whereas when I first started playing senior hockey, everybody watched a lot of fights. But what I noticed, I started, so I was fine with that. I mean, I'm playing senior. I don't want to be fucking fighting all the time. And yeah. you know, you're starting to get into real life and stuff. It's yeah. you know, if I'm mad, I will. But yeah. It started to be off the start of the game. Guys that would never think about it whack me in the ankle. And I'm going, what? You don't want it. Tony, what are you doing? Let's go, T-Bone. And then and whack you, whack you, whack you. And all of a sudden now, I've never really dealt with, even when playing in the Western League, I, I did that to keep people the fuck away from me. Right? Yeah. I didn't want that. So, and I didn't like getting hit. So anyway, the one degree I find, the, the first point now, all of a sudden, so let's say they're Brownie in that situation, my senior hockey a few years ago. And then um, let's just say I played with the CBs one year, I think it's 2014. And, and it was coming out of the scene then. And we started looking around the room. And at the end of the year, we were going, okay, Mike Dyke, how many fights you got? Two. Okay, you got one left. Uh, it started to be strategy. It started to be, okay, they've got so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. This guy got two fights. Yeah. He's got one. If we put it up, right, and, and I never talk, even in the peak of the worst brawls and barbaric hockey that I ever played, I never did that. And so it became strategy. 
And I yeah. was like, oh, okay, so there's there's the one point. The second one is that I haven't talked about this much, but I got post-concussion syndrome four times. All of them were from open ice hits that you were unbelievable at. You were a great hitter. Well, I would re- if I played against you, like Brendan Witt was a great hitter. Well, the first game I ever played against Brendan Witt, I went at him. And people would, and I said, I'd rather take his punch than get hit with my head down going through the open ice. Not saying it didn't happen, but people yeah, were yeah. really hesitant oh, to I do can. it with me because they knew I was coming after them. So for me, I fought much of the time to prevent that same person or others watching from hitting me. So now here's another thing. Like the COVID we talked about, this is a huge gray area. That's personal experience. Some people drop their gloves and get hit in the face and their head goes down and hits the ice and they're done. Like, you know, so I'm only talking to you as a rough player that had head injuries. And I know what came the worst for me. I think Brownie, a happy medium. Sorry, I'm rambling. It's your interview. A happy medium, I think. In my experience, I played overseas and it's been with ball hockey, with ice hockey playing a lot of Olympic sized surfaces. One year I played professional hockey and one of the only in Colorado, there's not many Olympic surfaces in pro hockey in, in North America, Colorado and Anchorage. I know that. And they were my home. And I noticed it was just by math. It was physics. These guys that would get one shift against us the year before in the AHL in the West coast league, it was a lesser league, but you couldn't really even dress them because they were, there was Olympic size. So like Craig Lyons or myself or Zach Boyer, Hey man, you can't catch me. You're not, you're not going to take yourself out as a winger for me to come down low on the wall and get that breakout pass. If a meathead is a defenseman or whoever, or winger takes himself out. Now you got to catch me. And once I get in there, I get the puck playing with all these great. So I think if they made the ice a little bit bigger, I think maybe it would take care of all of that. You you might have for me, I, I fight when I'm mad or if you run the goalie or if you're in my, but if there's just less physicality out there, then mm-hmm. I could be totally wrong. I could be totally wrong on this. I just think maybe that would take care of a lot of it would be if there's less instances to do it. And at the end of the year, Brownie, if you think about it, if your fight leader had two or three, if it wasn't really a big part of the game, but you know, people started coming in and like really, really going at Connor McDavid or whoever it might be, maybe we land there. Um, uh, But hey, agree to disagree, which is fine. Speaking of fighting, what's that? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say my, my point now. I yeah, just of think, course, of course, yes. I, I fucking hog your interview. Go ahead. No, I know. I'm like, I love toughness. I love hitting. I love competing. I love, you know, wanting to, you know, control your ice in front of the net. I love that stuff. But to me, I, I just, I wouldn't have said this 10 years ago when I retired because I would be the biggest hypocrite in the world saying, oh, they should, they should ban fighting. No, and then I was, well, Brownie, you made some money out of it. Now you want to, because you're out. But <laughs> yeah, now... But now, but now the game's changed so much now. And now, like, in my game, in our day, I was on the ice, and I, I know I kept my players safe, just my presence on the ice. When Definitely. I'm out there and I want to, if I'm going to yell at the bench, I'll keep things quiet. But now there's, if a player does NHL, not any, just NHL, if you do something stupid, if you give a guy a slash to the legs, the refs are going to see it now. There's two referees now on the ice, for one. They're going to see it. And if it's really stupid, you're getting a, you're getting a suspension and you're going to lose thousands of dollars. So I think you don't need the tough guy now to go out there and, and, and keep McDavid safe anymore. I don't, you, you don't, 
you need toughness, gritty guys that can just show up in the in the pile and it's like whatever. But Team I just tough. find it, I find it to me it's barbaric. And I'm like, when I want to know, ask you this question, like, how come f- hockey? Like when did hockey start fighting? Like in the fifties and the sixties? Oh, we're gonna have we're gonna allow guys to fight and give them five minutes each for fighting. It's part of the game. How come football didn't do that back in the sixties, fifties? True. Like, like why is it only hockey that said, "Oh, let's fight. Let's have two guys fight and not fight fight bare knuckle." I think I don't think they said let's. I think it started happening a lot, and they were they figured how are we going to deal with it? That's why. How are we going to police the game? And the tough guys did police the game, but in today's game. Yeah but, yeah, but what I'm saying is that back then, there's a, there's a slight difference. In the 20s and 30s, did they as players say, we're going to play, or were people upset and like Gordie Howe started going at, my, you know, or, or Cyclone Taylor dropped his gloves and beat the shit out of a guy, and they're like, then the reps are like, okay, what are we going to do here? And I think maybe they landed at five minutes for fighting. But I don't think a league ever said, let's have fighting. I, th- I think it was just people, or, it evolves, right? Like but fights happen in basketball. They've happened in football. The governing committee has to decide, right? No, I'm just saying there's a slight difference. So maybe at the roots, I often wonder the same thing. Um, and to pick up, and I'm, I'm, I'm merely adding my two cents here. Yeah, I think yeah. hockey, there's also a little bit of an elegant. Whatever happened over time, it evolved differently. In other sports, in each and every one, if a fight breaks out, it's like other people jump in. Um, it's, it's like packs of wolves. It's like a, a, a pitcher throws at a batter. Pitcher, what happens then? Uh, the NBA, we all know there. Look at Ron Artest and reach there. Look at, look at lots of – that's going back 10 years. Look at lots of other altercations that have happened in recent. It's usually a cheap shot or someone get hockey had this – and maybe, maybe we, we, you know, we were kind of proud of that, we, an unwritten thing. That you know the left the refs would let you go, and they'd never if there was two on one, like everybody would get in there. But there was this all of a sudden this respect, and I think people knew then that you were only hitting the head, so <laughs> the head's great. But in my mind, I, I I really don't know. You're asking me how, or you're commenting on how it started. I don't know, but I figure, I figure over time that's how we got there. Now one more one more thing. Yeah. We'll say there's fighting in hockey, and there's not in other sports. But I, I went back to try city and it took a fan to ask me this a couple of years ago or two years ago now. And he said, well, Terry, can I take my stick and cross check a guy in the teeth in hockey? I said, no. He said, can I whack you over the ankle? No, of course not. He said, well, can I hook you on a breakaway? I'm like, no, obviously not. What happens? I'm like, well, you're, you're suspended, obviously, or you've got a penalty, you hook someone down. And he said, well, why do you, why do you tell me there's fighting in hockey? I'm like, because there, and I was, oh, my, there isn't. <laughs> you're right, there isn't. It's a five minute penalty. And if you do it again, you know, you're, and, the, and the, the, the penalties have been, you know, in recent history, especially for instigating, they've become, I guess, a little bit harsher. So, and, and I think com- combined with just it not being a part of the game anymore, really, at a, at a young level. I mean, we used to be able to get in 30 and junior if we wanted. You can't do that anymore. And, well, and listen, you know, hey, for good reason. The whole, like, the culture is changing. Even, like, my son, yeah. who's seven years old, I asked, I asked my son, have you ever got punched in the face before? He's like, what do you mean punched in the face? No. I go, have, have you threw a punch before? No. Who am I going to fight? Like that, like this is not, this is off the ice. The I totally is- know. Yeah, there was definitely a different, I mean, by the time you were in midget hockey, someone, it, would, it wasn't a big thing back then, but someone, you know, there, there was or, fights. Or you got in a fight at school or in the playground, you got in a fight. Like 
right? I think the whole society is changing to it. Now, this is the other thing. Is it is it more is it more numb because there's no fans like I, I watching fighting with no fans almost seems. But let's say the Leafs, Wayne Simmons. Uh, if there was, and trust me, I, I, my book, I'll send you one that just came out. I talk about all this at the beginning and fighting, and I totally understand point of view, not having it. But now, do you think Wayne's, if there's fans in the building and that's in the Air Canada Center and he's been in a yeah. few, he's been in a few really well-timed fights. These aren't like Dave Morissette squaring off with Bob Probert just because they're tough at the beginning of the game. Yeah, yeah. This is some well-timed, don't fuck with my best players. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I, I, again, I, I, I take that. Do what you want with it. I just yep. think that his his fights almost are, are well timed for me. Now, my last thing I would say, of course, my only question, as mm-hmm. as we go to get rid of it, and we know, you know, because you see players hitting goalies now after the whistle of the odd time, and again, that was really m- never much of something. Anyway, that was more. Just don't do it because it's going to. It looks bad for the fans for you to. But I don't remember many goalies getting hurt. It was just the going in and, and the act of being in the goalie's face got you yeah, five yeah, minutes yeah. in the box. Um, but let's say this: Why then, if we don't need it and people are policing in other ways and it's all good and the game's becoming safer, why are concussions at an all-time high? Now that. In my position, I would tell you because I only got them skating. I didn't even get them from hitting on the wall. It all came from getting hit, skating through the middle with my head down. Four unmistakable post-concussion syndrome. There's more of that than ever. There's less hitting, I think, overall. But now you could say, because people weren't really testing for it back in the day, maybe there's another reason. But I do know that concussions are at an all-time high. What would be the reason? And But that's that's a different topic. Like, there's fighting over here. Well, it here. correlates. It correlates. If you're, if, if open ice hits are, are more, if they're not to deal with, I, I knew that Scott Stevens might do it, but like, I didn't really have to worry about John Slaney doing it, but because he knew, but, but, but now I'm just saying it's, it's, it's a debate. I get it. I, if there's no, put it this way. I don't want to see fighting for the sake of it. It's a hockey's a game. And to me, fighting, it's like hitting, hitting to me wasn't, what everybody else thought it was, it was just, a, it was a defensive mechanism to get between the player and the puck or the, the net and the puck and the player and hopefully get the puck. It wasn't about hurting somebody, uh, but it turned into that. I, I couldn't even hit somebody open ice, but there are a lot of concussions and I have yeah. to think, I have to think that somebody, I don't know. Let's say someone in the NHL now that gives a big hit. I, I don't know. Shea Weber is a bad example because he'd do it no matter what. But there are people that would do it, but they wouldn't if Ryan Reeves was there. Um, but again, I'm not saying that's the only reason. And maybe maybe concussions have gone up, Brownie, because yeah. more people are reporting them. Maybe because the glass is harder. Maybe maybe they're getting them in different yeah. ways. I was telling yeah. you in my like- in my position in my experience. And yeah. it's a fact that fighting is down and concussions yeah. are up. So what do you think's the reason? I don't think I, Should I we think take hitting out. No, no, hit but hit right. 
right? And they're trying to change the game. They're, they're, do, they're doing rules now for no headshots, right? And if you do a headshot... No, I, I think those open ice hits are headshots even when they don't mean to be. Yeah, that's the you, thing. Like, yeah. I, yeah, you're right. Like, those open ice hits, they're so... T- like, it's like a car accident. They happen so fast. So, so if I'm going to go hit you, Terry, okay? You have your head down. Yeah. I want to hit you in the chest and the shoulder because I see you. Your head's down. You can't see me. I'm coming at you. But I hit you and you come up at the last second. But yeah. I'm putting my shoulder down. I'm doing everything right. But I hit you in the chin. Right? It's inevitable. It's it it's fucking it's inevitable. Yeah. And a lot and of times you're getting suspended for that now too, like big time, losing a lot of money for it. And, and that's Brownie, why, you you were really good at that. Yeah, but I know. But I'm saying hitting is a different to me, hitting doesn't correlate for fighting. I think fighting's stupid now. And it's fair enough. I would rather, fair I would enough. rather fighting if you fight, keep your gloves on, at least have some padding on your knuckles. Fair well, enough. UFC bare knuckle fighting in, in 2021. It's so it's so stupid. <laughs> I suppose. It's, now, it's I, I, I think there should be less than when we played, but I just I just can't quite agree with you yet. I, but for me, if there's no reason, hopefully we get to the point that there's no reason, but I, I think they might have to take out hitting for that to happen because I'm telling you, if someone, I don't care what I'm playing, if it's Tiddlywinks, if someone yeah. hits me with my head down like that and yeah, can no, hurt my brain, but that's yeah. it, Brownie. We agree to disagree, and I think, I think this is emblematic of... The, the game today, because as I say in my book, it's so foggy. The first maybe 40 or 50 pages, I'm here stealing your interview and plugging my own book. But that's what it is, because I don't really know the answer. Imagine being an immigrant coming to Canada for the first time. We're more multicultural than we've ever been. Newfoundland certainly is, right? So imagine being a, a, a mother, a single mother and her kid, for example, from somewhere, I don't know, anywhere else in the world, I don't want to get political, and coming here and, you know, wanting your kid to play, you know, the sport, and then watching two guys beat the shit out of each other, blood come, I, I, I get it, it must look bad, um, and I'll leave it at that, but we talk, we slightly disagree, uh, but that's fine, that's what life's all about, that's conversation, um, you know, leads to better circumstances. I think that's part of it. Last thing, last thing. Here's my thing, my point of, of, of evolving. Like Jacques Plant, goaltender, okay? Yeah. He was playing goalie for years with no helmet. And he's like, I, I want to put a helmet on. They're like, oh, you're a pussy. You can't put a helmet on. Goalies can't wear helmets. Like that's how, like it's called evolution, right? Well, it is, but you're, you're assuming that your answer is evolving in the right way. I'm saying that it is, it's still evolution, but is, certain parts of evolution, and, and we'll see where it goes. We'll see yeah. where it goes. Um, go. uh, minor league burn. What was your favorite minor league burn? Well, obviously, this is an easy, easy as St. John. <laughs> <gonna> say Saint <laughs> Memorial and, Stadium. Memorial Stadium, and, and go, yeah, and going there, and like when we, we go there. It's not just one game and we leave. It's like two or three games in a row. So it's like by game three or game two, it's just like, just, it's funny. Like, yeah. Like people are all talking about now, like the Canadian division and you know, or, or even, even the NHL and how yeah. like they have to group the games together. And they're like, yeah, was, you know, they're creating rivalries two or three in a row. I'm like, that was the whole, like the minors was almost testing ground for that. I remember we, we weren't allowed in the NHL to play three and three, but we were allowed in the AHL to play three yeah. and three. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. But I remember like PJ <laughs> Smith has a really good story. Like when he played for St. John's, yeah. he tells me this like, 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 like a few months ago, we're, t- we're having a few beers and he's like, I remember Brownie, like it's like three and three. It's the last night we're in the room saying, okay, boys, you know, we're tired. We're hurt. Let's just keep it quiet here. Let's hopefully Brownie and Terry Reiner and whoever over there Fleming, let's hope it's going to be a quiet game. Let's get this game over with. And he's like, 
First shift, there goes Brownie, cross-check to the back of the head. You know, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Then it's, uh, then it's a yard sale, and uh, you're just – No, I love playing those, And those Sunday afternoon, the Friday, Saturday, those Sunday afternoon ones that were supposed to be calm, and there was gloves everywhere, and you're just waiting for the bus ride. Um, yeah. Good memories there. Good memories there. Speaking of a memory, I – so anyway, I was – watching YouTube with my buddies, we come back here and it, we came upon this magic stuff. And anyway, David, we were watching David Blaine and David Copperfield came up and I tried to tell the story. So what do you remember? I remember going to see David Copperfield and it was the biggest ripoff. If you would ask me one thing in my life, that one event that I paid for that I went to see, yeah. I think it was the big, and every, the thing is everybody in the front four or five rows must've known it. Now, it, can you remember yeah. When we so went to see going, we went back to back nights. So the second night we're like, this is a joke. It's the same people in the stands. Oh, that was it. That was it. Yeah. It was, the, was it, yeah. so we were, I don't know if you remember, we were held back because the team was on the road to New Jersey or something. And we stayed back, but it was three three nights. It, there was a Garth Brooks concert, then there was Aerosmith, then there was Clapton, and on like the Monday, it was Copperfield. And I was like, shit, like the players weren't there for three of those nights. So I mean, we we had to work out and everything. There was wasn't just you and me, but you and I went to Copperfield, and I remember we, I traded tickets. Is what happened. I used to trade everybody for tickets, so we walked in without tickets, and rather than go to the booth, we went down to the room where we could. And I came out uh, where our dressing, where our bench would be, and I offered the one of the security guards there because the first three roads, remember, we were allowed to like stand up and go towards the stage and. So he's like, you know, you can kind of get lost here. And then two seats ended up opening up. He said, hey, you can sit here if you want. That's how that happened. So we went to see it. And for those that don't know, David Copperfield is a, a, a magician and definitely at the time the biggest one in the world. I mean, he sold out the, what's now the Bell Center. It was the Molson Center at the time. So Brownie and I go and he, he picks these random people to go up. First of all, they had to sit on this couch. But remember, we were so close that we could see the like the fishing wire or whatever it was like mm -hmm. things. He was claiming to be levitating. But yeah. but remember, but and it was obvious he had like he was on ropes to the ceiling. And I'm going, I don't know. And then I, I remember walking back like 20 feet and I couldn't see that. So I'm like, OK, so everybody in the first few rows is either paid to be here anyway. And these people randomly got up. And the next night it was the same people. And then remember, he stuck his arm in this thing and he acted like it disappeared. And when we were up close, we could see that it was mirrors. Remember that? It was horrible. See this, hey, see, see, this is where your brain is like, your brain's crazy. You remember everything. I don't remember that part. <laughs> but you, your brain's so freaking, you, 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 you see things and you, you never forget it. I wrote it all down, man. I remember oh, that show is like the some guy in the stands. He's like, okay, I'm going to pick you out of the stands. And it was the same guy back to back nights. Back to like, back. Well, you know what? It had to be though. Cause it's, it's, it's illusions, right? It's magic. Well, so it, kind right? of, but like, if I see a card trick, I know it's a card trick, but you're right in front of me. You're doing it. There's some mm -hmm. talent to, to disguising what you're doing with David Copperfield. Anybody, I could have done it. If you gave me that, little gig that little skit that he did his first two give me 20 minutes and i can go out and entertain the same people i don't know i don't consider him a great illusionist i think he got great props yeah exactly part of it it's all part of it it's props money and i don't know why i went there i just saw it the other day and i said i'll ask him if he remembers that um, do you listen to podcasts yourself no nothing I'm nothing not zero oh you should 
I know everyone says that. Like, I take my dog for walks every morning. I should put on the, you know, the earphones and listen to podcasts. Oh, definitely. I got too many to recommend on here, but you really should. Do you have pets? Oh, there it is. Your dog? I got a dog, yeah. How many? I got one dog. That's it. Do you think there's life outside this? Do you think there's life outside Earth? No. No idea. And I'll never know. We'll never know. Well, I don't. Well, I, I uh, well, what? Listen, with the billions and billions of planets, and yeah, having, just just want to know your take. I know you're not like a nuclear physicist. I, uh, I think they found life. They found like bacteria and stuff. I, I just don't have they. Gotta be something out there. I think they found be. evidence of it. Um, yeah. Tom Brady, what do you think of that? No, I loved it. It's, it's seeing greatness at real time, right? It's, I. Fuck, Brownie, you took the words out of my mouth. I've never been this huge. Even when we played, I don't remember you being big into football. I certainly wasn't. I, I get it. I've gambled on it here and there. I was never a huge New England fan, but that's what I said to people. I'm like, at this point, you take your hat off, you tip it, and you say, we're looking at greatness right here. And to me, it's mesmerizing. He leaves the Patriots after all those years, yeah. and everyone thinks, oh, it's the, it's the coaching staff that got him those championships. It's the coaching staff. And he leaves, and after year one, wins a freaking championship. At 43. Brownie, you played in the NHL. The quest for the Stanley Cup is similar. Like, I say to people, I'm like, you know, I know, and nothing against the Canadians who we played for and were nice enough to draft us. I love all of them and everything, but, you know, you couldn't turn around. And you're like, oh, there's so-and-so. He has six cups, and, you know, Rocket has 10, and Henri Richard has 11, and uh, Cormway and Shot were there. They had five and six each. For a lot of those people, there was less teams. For Rocket, there was six. For for Gordy Howe, there was six teams. I, I love those guys as players, but winning the Stanley Cup was akin to you winning your division when you played in Colorado or uh, Chicago or wherever it was. Yeah. So there's something to me like the quest for the cup. There's 32 teams now. There was 30 when you played. How how was that, Brownie? How was your? What did you feel a full NHL season? It's one thing for the minors, but eighty-two games playing that way, and then the quest for the cup. Are guys burnt out in that room? You know what, guys are definitely tired. But you know how it is. And once playoffs start, it's, it's a it's a new season. It is. You can be tired. You know, uh, I was never tired personally because I was a friggin' healthy scratch half the time, or I was <laughs> injured, so I was never really tired. But once playoffs come along, it's it's a it's a new gear. And I got I played in the playoffs once in my career. I was seven years in the NHL. I made it once with the with the Wild in uh, in 03. How and how we, was it, Brownie? Do you guys I'm assuming if it was the Wild you had well, knocked out first round? How was it? How was it? Uh, the first series against Colorado with with Patrick Waugh, Rob Blake, Forsberg, wow. Rackick. We were down three to one in that series, came back, beat them in overtime game seven. Like knocked it was Patty Waugh's last game. How in the world do I not know? You're one of my closest hockey friends. I must have glossed over it. I must have known that happened at the time. So wh who was your next opponent? Next opponent was the Canucks, Vancouver. And then um, those guys, we were down 3-1 to one in that series, too, in Vancouver. We came back, beat them game seven. What? In Vancouver, yeah. Knocked them so the off. Minnesota Wild made the semifinal. Western Conference. It was in this. 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 Where that lockout. Jesus came Brownie. And I saw you that year. I remember coming down to see you play. Yeah, you were. I saw yeah. you. We were in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. I, I went more than one. Yeah, Colorado. Richard Park was down there in the room with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember. I remember. I remember. You went and talked to. I think Mario Trombley said how to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a great conversation that day. Yeah. 
no, that year. So we won game seven, both. And then we played in the, in the Western conference finals. Now you'll, you might clue in. Now we played Anaheim, Jagir, big, yeah. and we lost four straight. Was, and that's the year they won it. No. And then Anaheim went and played New Jersey. Three years later. The they won and in the following year, it was, it was the most boring Stanley cup final ever. It was, it was like the devils versus Anaheim in the finals. The devils won it. And then a few years later, they, they changed the game. <laughs> Brownie, that's, yeah, really, uh, that's insane. So look, 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 I, I don't even, I, I just must have forgotten. I mean, you're going to me. I mean, it's the NHL is one of those leagues where the play, it's relative hockey, hockey, whatever regular season you look at, it's amped up in the playoffs. The NHL being the best league in the world is the best example of that. And I've often said four rounds, guys know going in, four rounds of seven games, and you got weapons, and you got fists, and you got hits, and there's no out of bounds. There is no out of bounds. You can't just run out of bounds. I find it the hardest thing physically and mentally, and I didn't even play in the NHL playoffs. We were there, I'm talking about like going through it as a black ace with Montreal and seeing other people, and playing in the minors. It's the same format, relativity, relatively, but it's not the NHL playoffs. Brownie, what was that like to play a bunch of Hall of Famers? I mean, I mean, were you, you must have been, there must have been some level of nerves, even though you were an NHL veteran by that point. Oh, yeah. I, you know what? My first game, first game in Colorado, game one, we actually won game one in Colorado. And my nerves, like that, that team, look at the roster on that team. They had Hayduke, Forsberg, oh Sackett, uh, Rob Blake. A regular shift on defense. So, so yeah, it, it was it was cool. But uh, so we lost. So we won game one, lost game two, and then uh, I was so pumped up. We're in the playoffs. Then after game two, I was pulled out, out of the series. I didn't play play another game in that series. So I, I didn't play game seven when Andrew Burnett scored the overtime. So what? Goal. You're part of Andrew Burnett. Well, was, the thing is, thing thing is that I was so I was I was on a high every game. I was so pumped. I was in the room like doing whatever I could to be a good team guy with the, with the guys. And then we won that series game seven. And then game two, we're playing the Canucks and us and the Canucks at the time hated each other. They had Matt Cook. They had, you know, they had Joe Bonoski, they had Bertuzzi. So like jockey. So I remember Jacques like Brownie, you're in for this one, big boy, this series, every game. So, you know, bring your thing. So I, I played every game in the, in the second series, which is Brownie. Cool. That's fantastic. And just think the Habs, when they weren't making the playoffs, God, my favorite story of just, but first of all, first of all, you turned down a call up. And I remember you said, I'm not having you. I was in the room. You said, I'm not having you guys do to me what you did to Terry Ryan. And I was sitting right there. Tell us about that. I can't well, you know Where what? were we? We were in somewhere in, on a road trip. We were in Syracuse. In Syracuse. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. Because here's, because like prior to that, I, I got called up in Montreal. Okay. We're playing in Buffalo. And I was, oh, my God. That was before. That was my next question. Tell yeah, people well, this. Holy fuck. We were watching on TV, all of us going, Brownie's playing. Brownie's playing. You know, you, some people get called up and you're, you're yeah. kind of happy. Me and Higgy and Oli and all of us were, yes, Brownie. Go ahead. It still haunts me to this day. No, so I, I get called up to Buffalo. I'm all pumped As a up. defenseman. <laughs> you're a defenseman. I mean, you're a first-round pick. You're a team. Yeah, no, but I get called up. Like I live in Mississauga an hour away, right? I, all my family in the stands, the all friends come to watch me play in Buffalo. The game happens. First period, like not one shift. I'm like, oh, not one shift. Second period, zero shifts. 
Like yeah. um, it's now, now I'm embarrassed. Now I'm like, oh god, my parents came. They're not, they know they paid for. It. They didn't pay. I paid, but but uh, third period, zero shifts again. I'm like, why in the hell am I fucking on this? Why am I here? Like I'm just here. <laughs> yeah. And then and then third period, end of the game, we're getting crushed. Unbelievable. Stefan Quintel or somebody hit Donald Odette. It was a it was a, a cheap shot hit, right? Quintel oh. was going. He was pissed off, right? Yeah. Go figure. He's a player safety, but he he ran someone from behind. <laughs> And then the fans went nuts. Okay, they're going nuts in Buffalo. They want to. They want to blood. Oh God, Brownie! Oh my God! I haven't had a shift all game. Okay, I'm I'm so cold. I'm numb. My, my like I'm foggy. My head's all foggy. And Mario gives me the tap. He's like, "Hey, Brownie, big boy, go play left wing." <laughs> like that. And Rob Ray jumps on the ice, and and the fans are and going. The fans, the, the fans, oh, everybody knows it's coming, Brownie. If I could yeah. tell you, we were jumping around the room, just jumping, like happy for you, but going, holy shit! Like, what is he doing? <laughs> what kind of a yet. mind did you have? You're feeling down. You're like you don't know. I, I know because I did it. I got a bunch of those without sure. getting one shift. But I think because- I'd rather get the no shifts. Yeah, but I at that point I never fought yet in the NHL. I fought a ton in the AHL, so I was you know I was comfortable in the AHL. I had that yeah. reputation. I was I, NHL is a different level, and I never I never fought yet. Here you go, kid. Pratt, here's, go. here's some good learn for you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I didn't want to lose because you don't want to lose. And and the burn was going nuts. Yeah, the, the going nuts, and it's like you know Rob Ray. So we're off the draw, and he knew it too. He's like. Rob Ray's a great guy. He's respectful. He's like, hey, big boy. I'm all right. Hey, big boy. Do you want to go? Like, just, yeah, let's do it. Off comes his elbow pads. Like, back in the day, everything's off yeah. on him, right? He kept his jersey on then, but but uh, we held on. I gave him a little pipe, but he hit me, hit me once right in the chin, but I was so tired and foggy. I, I wasn't into it. Yeah. And I just dropped. He didn't hurt me at all. Like, it wasn't a hard punch. If you watch it on YouTube, but I went down and I remember grabbing him for like, 30 seconds. I wouldn't let go because I was so embarrassed. I'm like, oh God, I had now I gotta go into the room. These guys look at me as a first round pick. My teammates there. So I'm looking at this guy. We call him up. <laughs> Doesn't play one shift. I got my family in the stands. Oh man. <laughs> I got my ass kicked and then I have to go. And then and then after the game, I I, I go, they go, Brownie, you stay here tonight. You go into Freddie tomorrow. I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. Wow. You know, I just I was I was young, right? Like I like what like like what I did to Mario there in Syracuse when I said no I I, I don't want to get called up, it was a bit of immaturity on my part. I should have said yeah let's do it I'll I'll go and be a good soldier. But I was just like, it messed me up there that Rob Ray fight for a while. It didn't mess me up like mentally. You're speaking like, to everybody else now, by the way, because if there's one person on the planet that identifies, I, I get it. Yeah, I, it was the same. You know, I was in the yours was definitely way more on display and way more obvious. And that story, although. You know, looking back, if, if if there was a kid going through that now, man, I'd just want to hug him and go like, yeah. man, it, you know, there's better days ahead. You don't have to do this. But at I the wish time, I had Brownie, that. just yeah, knowing. I wish I had you after that fight in the room. I wish I had you there. <laughs> <laughs> I just get it, man. I, my last NHL experience, Brownie, I got my last shift was a fight against Cam Russell. But I got called up and I was like, finally, and, you know, you play those games in your head. And I really I wanted to be a scorer for the Montreal Canadiens. I. I still do, you know, like I, I, I just wanted to do that. And I knew I could at some level. I was excited. I'd had some minor league experience. I had NHL exhibition games and I knew at the very least I could play on the fourth line in the NHL. I knew it. I knew it. And I kept begging Reggie. Basically, I'm like, you know, you give a first rounder a hundred games to fail because he, 
he didn't draft me. And he used to say that. And he's like, I, I don't know if I would have. You're not a good enough skater. Nice enough guy to me. I got nothing against him. I didn't like Michelle Tyrion. Everything else, I don't, you know, that was their opinion. I can't get upset at it. But I think you treat a kid a certain way as well. And now there's much more of that. There's many more like liaisons between the coach and the GM and the player. But I was on the way to the rink and I opened the paper and it said, Terry Ryan's in the lineup tonight. News and notes, dot, 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 as a possible opponent for uh, Christoph Oliwa, who's back in the lineup tonight. And I'm like, wow. Like in, yeah. in just a couple of short years, I became this huge prospect who had 50 in his draft year, which is rare. You name me who gets 50 in their draft year, man, still not a lot. And I was proud of that, more proud of that than the fighting. Like I, I would do it. I knew that I thought I was a scorer with a bit of spunk. Right. But it turned out as I'm reading that paper, here I am, a tough guy whose offensive prowess is not even on the table. Like it's not even being talked about. If they want a goal, they're going to call up Eric Hood like you know, and I'm, and how did it get to this? Nothing against Hootie, but you know, I'm like, Jesus, like I was your rookie of the year too, the year before. Anyway, anyway, all I'm, it sounds like a tirade. It's a, that was a different era and everything. I had nothing against them. Alan Vigneault seemed like a good coach to me, seemed like a nice enough guy. Reggie, I think was a bit misplaced as the GM right off the bat, but nice fella still talk to him. Uh, even Terry and I forgive, but you know, at the time he could go fuck himself. Uh, strongest guy. You fought some big guys, man. I don't want to hear about hard punches. Tell me who the strongest. I remember like grabbing onto some guys that I was like, wow, I'm into it here. How about you? Well, you know what? I'll say this. I'll say this, this answer and you'll say, you'll say, yeah, yeah. No shit. Sherlock is George, the rock. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. And, but I never thought of it like that. No, but of course, big guy, big hands, big man, just yeah. big. Yeah. Just big. large, everything. Like he's fight. he probably played. I, I bet you if he got his weight, like, I don't know what it was like, at least 250. Like he wow. was big. He was for, big. For me, um, I go into it a little bit in the book. The, the three hardest punches I've taken, if you can believe it, are Ryan Vandenbush. Mark Morrow hit me with a real talk. But yeah. the third was a hard punch, but he was just, I, I just, well, I was into it and I, I was like a fish out of water. Maybe at the time I'd like to do it again just to see, but Trevor Gillies, I don't know if you came across him. He played a part of one season, but he yeah, had he a was, punch on him. Yeah. He had a good uh, well, like I said, and nothing against even Trevor, any, but that, that was the difference with our era. There was Trevor was a guy who was employed to come in and knock your head off. Right. And he was great at it. And the rules allowed for him to be a special part of a team or, but like, that was the thing for me navigating around that. I was used to junior, like going guys like Doan, Aginla, Tux, not that I fought Tux, but that he would have been on the menu. Like, you know, yeah. Guys who, Aaron Ashram, like that would, you know, guys who got, if you're pissed off, fight. But we're not just going to square off for no absolute reason at all. You know, it's yeah. not all about the fans wanting to see a fight. Um, Brownie, what is the meaning of life? So easy. It's to be happy. Beautiful. Keep your, right? Keep your friends, keep your family happy. That's what it's about. Right? Uh, yeah, nothing else needs to be said. What historical figure do you look up at the most historical figure, meaning they're dead and they're not in your family. They're not friends. They're not connected that way. And you know, that is non-hockey. That's non-hockey. You know what? It's like an essay question. You might need time. It to is. I'm trying to think like, there's like, like Nelson Mandela. Okay. I'm That's what, like, fantastic like, answer, by the way. Like I was thinking a guy who went to jail for many, many, many years for what he thought was, you know, what for, for, for his beliefs. Right. And you look back now, like how in the hell is he in jail? They, they locked him up for all those years for, for being a, 
you know, for being a good man. And how mentally you know, a, a, a great message in COVID, how to be mentally strong. <laughs> read that book. Yeah. Nelson, I forget the name of it. I, I read a couple. He's got lots out there, but there's, uh, anyway, look it up. There's not a bad one that I've read. His story is insane. And you talk about the mental toughness that these people are. Remember John McCain, um, just passed away united states yeah. senator uh ran for president imagine being yeah. a prisoner of war and hanging in there and having the story and, to tell and imagine your, your, your former president saying oh i don't like john mccain he, he was a prisoner of war my heroes don't get caught can you imagine, can you imagine saying that? someone can high on his horse who bailed out because of t- that's what i say like i, yeah. I, I get on here and i, I hate that's the, the i don't take sides with, that, here yeah. he is he's a republican i love the guy i w- there's times in history i vote either side i'm i'm really in the center but i mean for for donald trump who g- didn't go because of bone spurs right My heroes in the cut. Like, imagine like, publicly what? saying that about a man yeah. who literally like gave his life yeah. and and like literally willingly gave his life sat there shut the fuck up years yeah. a prisoner of war <laughs> that's amazing um do you have any uh, speaking of that do you, do you have any military background in your family no not not that i know of no um my my grandfather and my great-grandfather um both served in the war and i just started looking in my my, my grandfather bill bucky norris he was on the hms bulldog and they they got a hold of the Enigma machine, which cracked the codes. I didn't know this, Brownie, until a couple of years ago. He used to say it. He died when I was 13. And I'm reading books on it now, just amazed, because he was numb to it, I think. And he, his big message to me was, like, don't ever do that. Don't go to war. Don't – the things he must have seen. But, yeah, look it up. HMS Bulldogs, wild. Um, Brownie, now that you've – is there anything you appreciate more – after going through the last year of lockdown? Um, you know what? Just getting out, like like going on holidays with the family. Like I want to go somewhere, traveling. You know, you, you really, uh, like once this lockout's, lock over, uh, lockdown's over with, just getting to see friends, hanging out more. You know, you, you, you know, I miss being with friends and going to people's houses and doing that kind of stuff. But Overall, during the lockdown, you, you just try to, like I said, you try to keep, keep yourself sane, keep your family happy, and go through it. You know, it, it could be worse. I, um, I, it could be worse. It could be worse. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. You could be going to, um, you know, going to war, you know, and, you know, whatever. Like it's, so it's, we're rounding a corner, bud. What would be your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Um, this is where I, I should have texted you like last night and say, Terry, can you give me some questions? Uh, can you, no, can but you... I want I want what pops into your head. It's probably not going to be your favorite, but what pops into your head then? I mean, that's so subjective of an answer. I mean, I could say ten that pop in, but what are you well, something like I don't I don't know if like you're going to say Shawshank Redemption, aren't you? Oh, no, I, it was in my head. It was in my yeah, mind. I knew it was. Yeah. It was in my mind. But everyone says that answer, right? Everyone says that. Well, I, and I remember you liking that movie, but yeah, a lot of yeah. people do say it. Yeah, I, lo- I, I love that movie. What else? Like, I love a good sports movie. Like, okay. you know, like we watched Rudy a few months ago. Fuck like, what it. a great movie! Yeah, how good Rudy. is that movie? That, that's what that pops into my head as my favorite inspirational. I mean, there's yeah, remember the right? Titans. There's lots right up there, but um, 
But Rudy, I, I love Rudy. What a, what a good story. Like, I think every sports team should watch that, like from, you know, any level. All yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and Brownie, is there anything else you want to say uh, before I let you go here? And thanks. I told you an hour and we've been on for almost an hour and a half. I appreciate that. Is there anything else you'd like to say to the people of Newfoundland or sports fans in general uh, or any of the teams that you played for? It's very really. vague. Yeah, very vague. No, I'm just uh, everyone out there to stay safe. You know, this lockout is going to it's going to be over soon. Hopefully, hopefully by next September, but I don't think it's going to happen. We're allowed to have eighteen thousand fans in the stadium and get back to normal. But I agree. Hopefully, and well, listen, listen, listen. If if there's one thing I appreciate more, it's travel. And you you mentioned that. I really hope. I mean, I know I'm going to see you again up that way, but I hope you you can make it over here um, with the more members of your family as possible, uh, because I think we're due for it. Um, the place to stay for me? Of course, Brownie. Of course, uh, there's the door. The door is always open, and of course, mom and dad would absolutely love to see you. Uh, so I, I wish you luck. I uh, hope to see you soon. And, you know, it was a great, I, I love having an open conversation about the physical parts of the game because uh, a lot, it, it's almost like there's so many issues now. Uh, hello, immigration, abortion that no one wants to talk about it, but there, you know, you can have an intellectual debate. I love the fact that we came from the same spot. We still kind of agree, but there's areas we don't. If anybody wants to chime in, um, I think it's a great place to start the conversation that Brownie just had. And, and I just had, let's put it this way, man. I'm glad we were both cut from the same cloth as hockey players. And for what we did in the nineties, put it this way, I'm glad that I can sit here and talk to you like this because many of our, um, our peers, hello, Wade Belak, Steve Montador, a lot of them aren't here with us and whatever happened, um, the game did need to settle down a little bit and, um, or, or a lot depending. I'm just glad that as people who threw through the mitts, like we did, that we're sitting here with our face intact with great kids and uh, good families and we can get through it together. And uh, you're still my buddy. Put it that way. Sounds good, bud. Nice seeing you again. Thank you, my friend. It's been great seeing you, Brownie. And let's talk soon. Stay in touch and uh, be well, be safe. Love you, buddy. Thanks, bud. And there you have it. Uh, my old buddy, Brad Brown. Brad's one of the best people I know, let alone hockey players, and a great hockey player, underrated. Uh, was a first-round pick, and uh, a lot of people associate him with being a tough guy. But, I mean, I didn't want to talk about fighting as much as we did, but, you know, because it's beaten to death. But uh, I guess I think it was a pretty um informative conversation you're hearing from a guy well too that did it for a living but um brad was is often ca categorized as this you know i hate to use the word goon i don't i don't want to use that about any of them even the toughest of tough guys that got one shift goon it's probably not the best way to put it because um they all come from somewhere and like i said look at darren langdon's stats um in the nhl they're nothing to they're they're you know one, two goals a year, rarely more than five points. But, you know, he came in junior. He was a huge scorer. You get up there and there's a role, like you heard Brownie say, right? There's a role they wanted me to do at a certain point. But Brad played 330 games as a defenseman. And, you know, don't mix that up. So those that don't know the game 
quite as much that might listen to this. And there's a lot of people, if, especially that I work with in the film industry that have gotten into hockey since meeting me. Um, so there's a great example, guys. Like I, I've never really brought that up, but of all the people and they've met some of my John Scott came here, met a bunch of my friends that I'm speaking of now. John was a guy that, you know, fought, he played forward. You know, we all know his great story, but you can't really I think John was actually a D in college, but you know, he was a tough guy in the NHL. You generally can blend in up front because you don't want to put a guy like Tony twist out there on defense, nothing against Tony twist, but he wasn't a defenseman. But Brad point is a lot of the tough guy slash goon type of players weren't talented enough. You got to be able to skate backwards and the team's relying on you to play defense. Like you're, you're one of only two that's going to get a regular shit or six to eight on a team. But I'm saying on the ice at one time, man, right. And Brad just told you, and Brad will frame playing against Colorado and say, well, I only played the first two games, but he played the first two games against the Colorado Avalanche with a lot of Hall of Famers um, in the early 2000s and went seven games. And then he played them all against Vancouver, which they won. I mean, Brad is a much better player than you'd ever let on from, from, no, from, from hearing him speak. And that's because he's also humble. That's why he was such a great teammate. Brad was like off the ice. We never talked about fight. I can see how he's so down on it because, uh, you know, he was pretty much told to fight when he was younger. And there's probably all kinds of different reasons. I love the debate we had. Everything he said, I think there's all kinds of substance to it. Uh, I don't think there should be as much, but I think it'll always be there. I think when you take it out, um, other injuries flourish like concussions, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It was a great conversation. In any case, um, it's just great to hear from him. Brad is such a good friend, man. He was in my first wedding party and honestly, one, one of the best people I've met. You know how they say when your life flashes before your eyes um, when you're dying? And I don't know how anybody could really know that, but <laughs> or at least tell about it. But uh, whatever, they, whatever they would say, if that, if that were to be true, then I would guarantee you that He's one of the people that I would see uh, during that brief flash because he was a big part of my life, man, and still is. So thank you. Uh, I got a couple of questions. Merle Pruden. Merle, first of all, um, your books came back. I had them addressed to the wrong place. It was an accident. Uh, so I'm going to send those out. Merle wanted to know, in junior, I think I posted like a year ago, or scoring a goal, my 50th, goal i scored in junior 94 95 i mean my 50th of that season and i scored it with 28 seconds left in the game and there's a video clip and i, I mean i had 49 i had 48 going into the final period and my coach put me out there for most of the, <laughs> the third period i scored shorthanded with about five minutes left on a feed from damon lankow and i um scored in with 28 seconds left. So I did this move that I call the Chi-Chi Rodriguez. So Merle says, you know, why, A, why do you call it that? And why did you do it? Well, there was a golfer. So we used to, it was a golfer named Chi-Chi Rodriguez. And when he did every make a significant putt or even, yeah, putt for the most part, although I don't know if it was only putts, but he would take his club out, like kind of turn it around the wrong way. Like I did with my stick in that clip and kind of do a little dance like use it kind of like a sword like Antonio Banderas in uh, the Mask of Zorro kind of thing so anyway Chi Chi would do that 
and I emulated Chi-Chi. So I called it the Chi-Chi Rodriguez, and I guess I should probably rename it sometimes because no one knows. Actually, fuck it, I'm going to leave it. But yeah, a lot of people uh, don't know who I'm talking about, but that's it. Now, I, I believe if you want to look at a YouTube, it's Terry Ryan, uh, 50th goal. Try some, there's only so many goals on there. <laughs> Anyway, that's their 50th goal, Tri-Cities. So thanks for that question, Merle. Uh, TR, what did you think of Tom Brady? Why did I have that circled? I don't want to talk about him anymore. I'm getting sick of Tom Brady now. Whatever I thought, um, you probably heard it already if you tuned in. TR, were you mad most of the fights you were in? Comes from Stan in Roanoke, West Virginia. Roanoke. well, thanks for listening. Uh, no, the answer is no. I wasn't mad for most of them. Those I was, you could probably tell from my, I could, shouldn't say that because you all, uh, often become mad during the fight. Someone's punching you in the face. But, um, you know, there's often a reason. If you want to send a message at the end of a game for some reason, you're you're often sitting on it for a while. I mean, I don't dwell on things. To be honest, a lot of the time, say if my goalie got hit, like Brownie and I were talking about, he might even not have been hit that hard. It was just kind of a message. I wasn't really mad. I just knew that something had to happen. Somebody had to do it, and it was my job. So sometimes, you know, shit happens at work kind of thing. That's the way I looked at it. Uh, If I was mad, though, uh, I would I'd say a quarter of the time I was real, real pissed off mad. Some of them were because they had to happen. I just said somewhere uh, to get a bit of momentum. If it was a tie game or something. It was a sold-out rink. We needed the win, uh, or we were down by one, something like that. Or simply sometimes, I hate to say it, but yeah, I just did it for penalty minutes. Um, might be the end of the game, and if I knew a scout was there or I knew I could pad my stats a bit because penalty minutes meant something. In my draft year, 50 goals – was big. 60 assists was huge. 110 points. I'm sure they salivated over it, but they being some scouts, not all obviously, because I wasn't a great skater, but the fights, when they saw 207 penalty minutes on top of that, I think at the time, yeah, I'm going to say it was impressive. Now it would probably be a bad thing. It would probably mean you had a bad temper. Back then it was a good thing. Not No, I don't mean any ill to that way of thinking it was just the time it was the time and i had a job to do and i did it uh tr what is the best concert you've ever seen i was gonna ask that to brad uh let's think it was i saw acdc at the big o in montreal about 10 about 10 years ago maybe a little more maybe 12 years ago that as i recall was the best concert I've ever seen. I love the Beatles. I saw Paul McCartney back to back to back in L.A. with my buddy Gary Clark. I love Bruce Springsteen. What a what a performance! That these would be up there for sure. Um, ACDC. One of my favorites. I don't think I like them more than you know, definitely not more than McCartney or or Springsteen. But it was just you know the vibe. It's ACDC. One of my favorite bands. Every song's a rocker. It's not like they got any slow ones to sing. I love that about them. It's not like they're the Rolling Stones and they can take a break. And while everybody's, you know, going in and having a coffee or or a or water, I guess in Keith's <laughs> case could be anything. A rip. Um, whatever it is. Um, 
you know, Jagger could kind of stay out there with just a guitar and sing Angie or, or, you know, the Beatles can do yesterday, Aerosmith crying, whatever it is, you can have an acoustic part. Uh, those options aren't really there for ACDC, right? They're either in your face, wail away, same instruments, same voice, but, that's why they're so genius because it still works. Their new album's awesome. I'd still love to see them live. Um, what's left of them, but uh, R.I.P. Malcolm. But anyway, that's it. That's that's the most energetic, most memorable concert that I can recall for sure. Outside of that, Wedgwood Cafe, check them out. Um, I'm assuming now for the next little bit, they, they'll only be catering, if that. Um, we're in the lockdown. I uh, usually do my TJ's pub thing here, but we're closed for a couple of weeks. Bars and restaurants here, so I will um, say, how about this? Just uh, good luck. And in the place of of uh, doing an ad for DraftKings, I'm going to say fights, film, and folklore. Hey, you can read. Can't go to TJ's Pub, can't go to Greensleeves right now. What you can do is read, and for only $25 and shipping, of course, which usually comes to around $35 altogether, usually. No more than that. Uh, I will send you a personalized copy, and with it, you'll get um, a picture from Junior, a nice picture, a uh, hockey card, and uh, some bookmarks. Okay, that's what I can do for you. Uh, get at me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com if you'd like a copy or just shoot me a DM at terryryan2020 on my Instagram. I, I prefer the, the Gmail because Instagram gets over flooded with um, messages from curious fans, friends, family, um, antagonists, uh, haters, all the above. It all comes into my DMs in my Instagram. It takes me quite a while to go through them and decipher. But send it there if you want. I'd rather the sale than not have it. But if you could, terryryan2020 at gmail.com. I'll personalize it for you. Uh, Penny Posh. Check out Penny Posh Designs, Women's Wear Reimagined. Check it out and uh, get at me if you'd like a free book thrown in with a $69 purchase of a hoodie. Uh, so that's that. Um, what else? Uh, what are my predictions for the week? I always get that from many fans. I'm not sure. The Habs look better than I've seen. They seem to have it all. They're usually too small and too skilled. Sounds like a, that doesn't sound like a bad thing, but it is when it comes to the NHL playoffs. But this year they have added toughness. And uh, on top of that, their players, their guys like Armia and and Dano and Drouin, who are coming into their own, um, and might need a little bit of influence around them. Bringing in a guy like Josh Anderson to Foley, um, you know, having Weber there. I'm just saying, it was always that grit was, in my mind, a, a problem that the Habs didn't go far in the playoffs this year. I can see it happening. Unfortunately. They're running into the best Leafs team that I remember seeing. So who knows? The other thing, they're only playing their own division, right? So what's going to happen? Maybe Boston still does have the Leafs number. We don't know. That's why this year is very interesting. It went the other way for me when I heard about all this and the separation of the teams. I didn't really like it. Now I love it. And it's going to be a lot like the American League and the National League in baseball back in the day when they wouldn't play against each other whatsoever until the end of the year. That's what we're in for. Like it, hate it, whatever. That's that's the cards that were dealt. Um. That's it. I'm not going to talk anymore. I had some other things to talk about, but it doesn't need to be right now. Um, it'll still be topical next week. 
and I'm kind of tired. Uh, thanks to Habs Unfiltered for having me on their podcast. Guys, everybody has a podcast. Like I said, I get asked like five a week. I, yeah, I say yes to all of them. But uh, Joey Gallant, for example, today, love that you're starting a podcast. Good luck with it. I got like 20 in line, though, right? I need to do one of mine a week, and I try to guest on one a week, and I try to get those out of the way because I'm busy with a thousand other things, as you know. Uh, so love you guys. Thanks for inviting me. Unfortunately, I can't do it for a few months. Habs Unfilter actually asked me six months ago, and I just got around to it today. Um, but I will if I can, and who knows, two weeks of lockdown, maybe I can knock more off than I normally do with less, uh, less things to do. Um, okay. It's been a hoot. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be back in the saddle again. This is three weeks in a row and I'm loving the consistency and that's what to expect from here on in out of tales with TR one a week. I want to thank my guest again, Brad Brown. I want to thank my sponsors, DraftKings. I want to thank Wedgwood cafe, Peter Wedgwood, just for being a friend playing PlayStation with me every night and being somewhat of a sponsor in that he's giving me a free meal. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm only kidding. Uh, Wedge. I love you. I love Wedgwood cafe. TJ's pub green sleeves. When we get back swinging, uh, keep an eye out for us. Fights, film and folklore tales with TR. Fill your boots. Now's the time, Newfoundland. We're on lockdown. Hit me up if you got any questions for the next show. Thanks, Brad. Cheers, all. Love you.